Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Barnes University Radio. Um, Join me as I recap the Thursday night showdown versus the Jaguars. The Tennessee Titans um, lost that game uh, to Jacksonville 20-7. It was just a rainy game. There was some periods of no rain. It was really a game of uh, momentum. It was a game of... You know, um, I think that it was pretty much understood whoever got out to an early lead, um, not saying that you would win the game, but you would certainly have an advantage, um, especially for your defense, because at that point, once you get a lead, um, your defense has, you know, the right and you got to earn the right to rush the passer. And usually when you're up, you have the ability just to pin your ears back and make plays, you know, on the quarterback because obviously the other team has to pass the ball usually to get back into the game. The Titans stuck with the run game. I don't blame them for that. Um, but, you know, just to give you a timeline of how the game went, um, Titans stopped them on, you know, their first series. They deferred after they won the toss. The Jacksonville Jaguars, like I just said, Three and out, um, they punt to Adore Jackson. Um, Adore Jackson basically muffs the punt. Punt um, basically can't handle the punt. But the punt actually hits the ground, bounces a little bit. He cannot secure the the punt. It's a fumble. Um, the Jaguars basically get the ball very close, score uh, Gardner Minshew to his tight end O'Shaughnessy, and um, you know fr- from there. Just Gardner Minshew orchestrated, operated in the pocket, delivered pinpoint passes. Pretty much everything that I saw on tape of him at Washington State. Um, So very impressive performance by Gardner Minshew. Um, He was extremely accurate, showed great touch, maneuvered in the pocket well. Um, Even when he was confused, you could tell which the Titans do very well. Their defense is, you know, trick young quarterbacks, trick quarterbacks in general with their coverage disguises. Even though that happened, he did not get rattled. Um, I think that what a lot of people forget about Gardner Minshew is he, although he's a rookie, he's an old rookie. He's a veteran. He's seasoned. He's been through a lot. He's gone through several different colleges, several different situations, and um, he's a little bit different. And you have to take that into account when you bring up the evaluation of Gardner Minshew. Um, bottled up Leonard Fournette for the most of the night. He did break off a basically a 70-yard run um, at the end there. Um, that's two straight weeks the Titans have given up a 50-plus yard play um, when they're trying to you know get back into the game. Um, the wide receivers pretty much did what I thought. They're long all of them are pretty much shaped the same way, long, tall, fast. DJ Chark, Chris Connolly, those guys, you know, did pretty well. D.D. Westbrook had some had some drops, but um, still was able to kind of, you know, uh, stretch out the defense with his speed and just ca- kind of cause, uh, you know, havoc in that way, you know, drawing penalties and stuff like that. So I just feel like this game – you know, in Jacksonville's part, they definitely took it. Nine sacks for their defense, zero sacks for the Titans. Um, you know, and just to preface before I really dive into the, some of the things that the Titans did in this game and some moving forward, you know, for those that's the first time listening to this and don't really follow me, 
you know, um, I pretty much say what I think about this team building up. You know, I'm pretty much in my own general manager's mode and kind of just building up to what I think this team needs. And, you know, I did a, a 10,000 word pretty much game plan of what, how I thought the Titans should move. And if I was GM, this is what I move in my opening statement. Basically, the second sentence, I said, protect Marcus Mariota. Now, I know that most people are either, you know, saying that's that's pretty cool that you saw that or they saying, duh, that's what football is about. But at the same time, uh, um, you have to invest capital towards that offensive line. Um, same thing I said with my dissertation or the game plan the previous year. You have to allocate picks um, and, and funds towards that offensive line. It's a constant reboot. I learned that years ago with the, the Tennessee Titans uh, offensive line when it was really good. It had Kevin Mawa, Michael Roos, um, Jake Scott, Eugene Amano, um, you know, all of these and David Stewart, all of these great offensive linemen. And, you know, we just were pretty much set, you know, for two or three, four years and we never really rebooted. We never really kept adding on and adding depth. And then before you know it, guys started retiring. Guys left free agency, left, you know, left via free agency, you know, um, got injured and stuff like that. And before you know it, we're 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 starting at ground zero. Um, uh, so I think the Tennessee Titans, that 2016 offensive line was pretty impressive. But for the past few seasons, they haven't rebooted it. Or they have, or they attempted, but they haven't hit on the talent, and that's tough. Um, so I think that the Titans, you know, my main points were in my opening statement. I kid you not, in in March, was the Tennessee not Titans need to overload on making sure that they protect Marcus Mariota. What that means, draft capital. That means, um, you know, funds. That means signing free agents, which they which they did with Roger Saffold, but. There were still some other free agents that you could have had behind him. Um, and the Titans have the money to do so um, at the time. And, you know, um, and I said that the Titans need to sack the quarterback at an astronomical rate. So, you know, doing your due diligence on the uh, the way that you orchestrate a, a solid pass rush. And that's really players that can beat um, offensive linemen backs tight ends and pass pro one-on-one without the help of a scheme. The Tennessee Titans added one aging player that can do that. Um, they drafted a young guy that's hurt that I agree with. I mean, he's, he's a solid developmental guy, but then outside of that, they really just trusted the people that they had. So it wasn't really like a, you know, focus. And one of the things is, and, and, you know, I mentioned the Patriots a lot because we share some of the same ideologies, to be completely honest. The Patriots, would you say that the Patriots are a bad offensive lineman team or have bad or poor offensive linemen? No, but they're constantly retooling and projecting, you know, they're a few steps ahead, excuse me, a few steps ahead. And that's kind of how I operate. And I feel like with this Tennessee Titans team, it's just too lax. It's too confident in what they have. You know, a lot of people call me confident, but you'll never catch me not making contingency plans and, um, you know, making sure that I feel the best product 
to make this state proud, to make that city of Nashville proud. And uh, the Tennessee Titans are just falling short in terms of that. So the Tennessee Titans performance in this game in particular, Marcus Mariota still sporadic with his ball placement, has some good throws. Not going to lie, I've, I've never denied it. And, you know, I, you know the, the thing that I will say about Marcus Mariota, see it throw at quarterback, always have said that. He throws a good straight line seam ball. It's a hard seam ball. Um, it's straight line. It's a very difficult throw to make. The throw that he made for 47 yards to Tajay Sharp, which was a, a great route and a great catch by him and a great throw by Marcus Mariota. But those anticipation throws, those throws um, covered to uncovered throws to where, you know, you're anticipating the receiver. Um, he's on a, he's being defended in that split second when he's not being able to drill it in there. Those are the throws Marcus Mariota struggles with. And he did in this game, but he did make some good throws. I think that he's playing good enough to win in this offense. The other part of it is this offensive line just isn't giving him enough time. You know, much like what I said with the pass rushers, the offensive linemen, they're not being able to win their one-on-ones. And granted, Calais Campbell versus a, you know, basically an unknown guy off the street, Jamil Douglas, um, you know, no disrespect, but, you know, this is football. We're all men. This is how we talk, you know, um, it's t- it's a tough out for 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 most offensive linemen in general. So that's a tough thing. But at the end of the day, you know, you had a whole off season. You know, we get we get we get several months to prepare for this stuff. So it's like you know, you draft Nate Davis in the third round. You know, for those that also don't know, I went live before every Titans selection just to challenge myself. And to get my accountability level up on levels that most Titans followers, they don't have within the community. Um, And my guy was Dennis Daly. Now, obviously being a rookie and and that plays a part into possibly not helping. But Dennis Daly is more of a versatile lineman than Nate Davis, um, as well as Dennis Daly isn't hurt right now currently and this is all like you know back to the future hypothetical type of stuff but at the end of the day that's where my mom was at I also agreed with the signing of Roger Saffold but I also had a contingency plan to add one or two more veteran um, signings just to back that up and the Titans had the funds to certainly do so um and I'm I'm not mean I did not and I don't mean veterans with the skill set of Jamil Douglas, two veterans that are better than him. So, you know, it's tough. The the Tennessee Titans team moving forward, their only score was, you know, that big play set up. I think that big play set up the touchdown by by Henry, if I'm not mistaken. It was another six yard run. By Lewis, I think the quarters changed. Marcus Mariota ran. There was a holding, and then he ran, and it was close, and then they scored the touchdown. I believe it was that drive. If it wasn't, it was the drive where they ended up going and got zero points because they went forward on fourth down. So 
Um, either or, either way, the touchdown was a close run by Derrick Henry. Go figure. And from there, the Tennessee Titans stalled. And the penalties, I'm not even going to mention the penalties. The penalties are part, um, partly on themselves, partly on this new system that the NFL is doing with uh, trying to increase holding calls. Um, you know, and just refer, I, I believe that every game, you know, you, you come to a game, you show your respects to the referees. You should never have like a disdain for them. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't help you. Um, and you just try to play the game as best as possible because you know that you have to play a perfect game because more than likely you're, you're probably going to get anywhere from two to five bad calls. And that's just how you got to come into the game. You're not going to get, you know, everything's not going to go your way. Um, So I just think, you know, it was just a sloppy game. This team has some obvious holes and it was pretty much like last year. I think that route receiver dynamic talent at that position was a hole that the Tennessee Titans went in last year um, severely overconfident with. And I thought that this year, the lack of attention to the offensive line and and, and deep speed to the wide receiver position, as well as um, a more traditional nose tackle on defense. That's really it. I think think that, you know, you just got to cover your ground on that. They didn't, and it's showing uh, two players that's really standing out that's hurting the Tennessee Titans in the most minute, detailed ways is Marcus Mariota and Adore Jackson. You know, that's seven points, basically. Adore Jackson's uh, mistake or gaffe, whatever you want to call it, and Marcus Mariota's inability just to let it rip. You know, he's playing good enough to win, and this is why, you know, I definitely wanted to mention that the first few weeks, and a lot of people love this and gravitate towards people who share this information, like statistics. I don't take, like, statistics within the first two weeks to seriously, to be honest, because before this game started, Marcus Mariota had a – you know, 110 plus quarterback rating. And that's just not accurate. It's just not accurate for his play. It's based off of, you know, him having four touchdowns, no interceptions, a certain yardage percentage. You know, it's just not an accurate assessment of his play. Now, after this game, he's going to drop to like 92 or something, which is still a good quarterback rating, but it's not indicative of how he's actually playing. You know, in other statistics like being, you know, I don't know what the third down percentage is now, but it's still probably very bad. Um, That tells other teams, certainly this team sucks on third down. But as far as a team, it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, go out there and execute. Players got to play. I don't want anybody to really be talking about play calling. You know, I think Arthur Smith is dialing up a game plan that. You know, other than I would say moving Marcus Mariota's pocket a little bit more, um, you know, basically stealing what successful teams are doing with that type of skill set. I think that, yes, you want to run your offense, but Arthur Smith should be in steal mode. He should be looking at uh, teams like the Ravens, um, what Greg Roman is doing with Lamar Jackson is incredible right now. You know, uh, teams that have that's being successful with similar skill sets like uh, Dallas, what Kellen Moore is doing. 
the young guy um, with Dak Prescott. I think that's two teams that you probably should be trying to steal some plays and some concepts from their playbook. Um, but but moving forward, I, th- I honestly believe, you know, you know, Taylor Luan comes back after the Atlanta game. So after the 29th um, of September. So you play in Atlanta. Taylor Luan comes back. That's going to help the situation and, and allow you to shuffle some things a little bit along the offensive line. But I still think that, you know, if I'm the Tennessee Titans, um, I'm looking for some secondary help and I'm looking for uh, a starter level offensive lineman. And if I can, uh, a veteran, uh, another veteran receiver. And I know a lot of people, they're going to say, why are you looking at this? Well, if I am going to give you a reason why I believe that those are three parts right now that I think that's somewhat realistic and not too far fetched um, is because I, I believe that Odori Jackson is not ready to to be a starting um, NFL cornerback. I think that he's a liability. Um, I think that he just he's an athlete playing corner. If I said this. I think as a returner, he's not instinctual. He doesn't have much confidence. He doesn't have that, you know, swagger or edge to himself to where you really trust him back there. Um, You know, I just think that, you know, to be such a great defense, you can't have those type of holes within your defense. Um, You know, the pass rush, like it's very hard to kind of find a guy that that is very dynamic opposite of Cameron Wake and consistent enough um it's very hard to find that traditional nose tackle tackle at this point but a guy like Aldrick Robinson I know you've heard his name ad nauseum to add to that receiving core just a guy that's that's fast he's gonna pick up this offense relatively easy because it's a variation of offenses he's already been in Redskins you know Rams you know, uh, well, Vikings, I should say, Vikings, Redskins, and um, it's just a team. It's just a situation where that element will help a lot of things. It's going to stretch the field. Um, not to mention, you know, the quickest passes that get out of a quarterback's hands are screens uh, and goes. You know, relatively speaking. You know, other than quick out, stuff like that. So, you know, just having a speed element guy and just another veteran outside of Adam Humphreys. I mean, there's not like true veterans outside of this organization that comes in and just spreads and provides leadership. And offensive line, you know, J-Rod was able to trade for Dennis Kelly, who's been, you know, quietly doing a, a solid job. Um, he's been able to trade for Dennis Kelly before from trading a player. Um, so, you know, you might have to make another trade in terms of trying to acquire, uh, offensive talent, you know, um, you need it. And it's always good to overhaul. I don't have a problem. Like as a talent evaluator, I do not have an issue with, over drafting or 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 creating a substantial amount of depth at a position of need that you need the offensive line you should have honestly six or seven starters if not eight 
You know, I mean, I know that's kind of, you might say that's unrealistic, but there's teams out here that do it. You know, the Titans have been one of those types of teams. So it's like you have to invest the capital to that position that's going to keep your quote unquote franchise guy upright. You know, what could you package to a team to get another Dennis Kelly type of player? Draft picks, player, you know, what? Now, this secondary guy, you know, there, there's one that you just played against that wants to be traded. You know, I'm not saying that the Tennessee Titans should give away a first, blah, blah, blah. I honestly don't think they're that close. You know, you know that's going to be a team that's very close to getting over that edge to really, you know, become contenders. I don't think the Titans' biggest issue is pass coverage. That's down the list. Um, so, but I do think that you need somebody that you can rely on and um, somebody that's a little bit more dependable in the secondary. And then, you know, obviously if you can get a guy that can return some punts too and be dependable there, that'd be a bonus. So I, I honestly would put a door on the trade block um, and I'll be trying to acquire, um, Another offensive lineman, a la a Dennis Kelly type of deal. And, um, you know, Aldrick Robinson, somebody fast. You know, I know that we have Khalif Raymond, another fast guy, um, but a veteran presence with that wide receiver core to just kind of regroup people and kind of be uh, a safety valve for, for Marcus Mariota and the wide receiver core outside of um, – Adam Humphreys, who's a veteran, but he's still a young player. Once you, I mean, he's only been in the league for so long. So, um, I think those are some moves that I think. And I think you know, Mark, Mike Vrabel, you know, when he speaks, you know, obviously head coach speaks, um, has a good mindset. I mean, coming to the in front of the uh, a podium with people asking a ton of questions, obviously the answer is to stay positive. You're not going to start, you know. You know, going Phil Jackson and just kind of, you know, you know, speaking some things, trying to use the media to speak to players or stuff like that or being, you know, some people call it pessimistic or you can call it real or whatever, overly critical. Just kept it positive. So that'll always keep the team in a in a good light. But they got to know that that there there there's some things that needs to be cleaned up and they're messing up and you got to step it up. Um, so, I, I the, you know, it's one and two. Yes. Yes, there was emotional loss. Yes, this is somewhat this is a letdown for sure. Um, but it's a long season and you know the the Titans could could have won both of these games. It wasn't like they were doing their best and they just fall up they just fell short because they're not that talented. It's really just some a few things here and there and they could have won. They could be 3-0 easily and but that's the name of the game. That's how it is in this league. Um, everybody can win. It's about who executes the best, who, who takes advantage of their time on that gridiron, gridiron in that field. So, um, those are some things that I would do. I, I think Titans fans, I will certainly be pissed, you know, season ticket owners, you know, uh, I should, I would definitely create a petition to get me higher. <laughs> that's, that's a joke, dry humor there, but seriously, man, I mean, I would love to, 
help this team. Not saying that I'm a savior, not saying that I'm a savant, but I, I know for a fact I could certainly help. Um, whether it's, you know, whatever. It is what it is. You know, I'm always going to say that. Um, but at the end of the day, guys, thanks for tuning in. Um, you know, continue to support this team. It's still it's still a team from Tennessee, still a team from Nashville if you're a fan of the Titans. Keep on supporting those guys. Keep on – but still keep it real, you know, and um, that's really it, guys. Be blessed. We play the Atlanta Falcons in Atlanta um, on the 29th, so the Titans get a little a mini buy, you know, so hopefully they can rest up and get some things corrected. But um, thanks for tuning in, Barnes University Radio. I'm Charles Barnes, at BU Scouting on Twitter. Um, holler at me. God bless.